right, as we get ready for the word of God today, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. Usually in the month of January, I preach off the book of Genesis because it's where I start my yearly reading, but also because the name Genesis means beginning. And since it's a new year, every January I tend to preach off the book of Genesis. So we're going to Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. In the word of God, it says this, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, It's with the Lord's help I have produced a man. And later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time, notice for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops. Everyone say some. So when his time came for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best. Everyone say best. Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. And some of you, you need to understand, if you're dealing with anger, the Lord wants to deal with you. He said, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? That literally means that your emotions are being shown in your face. Let me give you an example. You know how some of you worship like that or something? You know, that's what God was asking. And notice what God said. Why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. Now let's say that together. Do what's right. Come on, say it with me. Do what's right. And turn it to your neighbor, look at your neighbor and tell them, Happy New Year, but do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. See, here's the choice God says. You're either going to master your sin or your sin is going to master you. But it's your choice. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and he killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's your brother? Abel. I don't know. Cain responded. Then he gets a little sarcastic with God. Am I my brother's keeper, guardian? Let's pray as we preach on this message. Just do what's right already. Just do what's right. Just do what's right. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. This word will bring conviction to some, offense to others. 
This word will change people's lives today. And some people will refuse to listen and never change. I am your voice. Father, anoint me to preach this word. Speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word. Just do what's right already. Just do what's right. I want to start off by telling you about this man that a lot of us might have read about. But his name was Jesse James. How do you know who Jesse James is? Jesse James was known to be a, a real bad man. Jesse James, he was known for robbing that we know of over 20 banks. He murdered over 17 people that we know of. He broke the law. And at one point, he was the most wanted person in America. At one point, that reward was $5,000, which at that time was more than over a million dollars in our money. He was wanted. He was a fugitive. He was evil. He hurt a lot of people. He changed a lot of lives in a negative way. He was selfish. He was self-centered. He did not care about your life. He wanted money, he wanted pleasure, he wanted to be rich, and he did not care at what expense. So he lied, he cheated, he manipulated, he murdered people. And that's what he's known for. But what so many people don't realize about Jesse James and what he's maybe not known for, maybe something we often don't talk about or ignore out of shame, is that Jesse James was raised in a Christian home. In fact, not only was he raised in a Christian home, his father, Robert James, was a pastor who led revivals, who traveled to preach the gospel. And Jesse James would grow up in the church Jesse James would grow up reading the scriptures. Jesse James went to service. And when his, his father, Robert James, passed away, his mother would remarry, and guess what? She would remarry yet another pastor. And Jesse James grew up listening to the Word of God. He grew up in the church. He grew up ministering. There is records in the Baptist logs of his membership, and he's on the top. Jesse James sang in the choir. Jesse James, he would help out after service to clean up. And he would just help his stepfather and his biological father in the church, in the ministry, and every Sunday he would get on that wagon with his family and go to church and work in the church and be a part of the church. But what people did not know was that outside of church, even as an adult, outside of church, even as a teenager, outside of church, he was living wrong. 
Outside of the church, he was robbing banks. Outside of the church, he was murdering people. Outside of the church, he was breaking the law. And before they were able to identify him, everyone thought that Jesse James was an awesome, godly man who sang in the choir on Sundays and would say, Dad, hurry up and finish this sermon because I got someone to kill. And this is the most amazing, shocking truth about Jesse James. It's that he is quoted of saying two things that shocked me. Number one, he said, sometimes going to church was difficult on Sunday because the train was running through and I wanted to go rob it. And the second most shocking thing he would say is he said, in spite of the circumstances, I know I'm entitled to heaven. And I know that I'm right with God. And as he died, that's his picture after he was killed and caught. That man right there died. And I would imagine, based on his fruits, he stood in front of Jesus in judgment. And Jesus said clearly in Matthew 7, many on that day are going to say, but God, didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? Wasn't I praying? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I do this? And Jesus said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. And I guarantee, almost guarantee, let me just say it like that, that Jesse James would die without truly being saved and getting right with God in judgment, facing Christ, realizing that all those times he was in church, all those times he was praying, all those times he held the Bible and read the Bible, and all of those times that he was in the choir singing, helping out his dad and his stepdad, he thought he was okay with God. He thought he was right with God until he died. It shocked me to realize that Jesse James, the bandit, the liar, the thief, the murderer, was confident that he was right with God. How many of you are shocked right now? Don't be. Because Jesse James is just like half the people in churches all over the world. So many people go to church, like all of us do. And while we're in church here now, you're someone else different outside. You're a completely different person when you're outside of this church. You're a completely different person when you're not being seen. And after it's all said and done, this hour and a half you dedicate to the Lord every week, I wonder what your Monday through Saturday is going to look like. Shocking is not just Jesse James growing up in church being a bandit. Shocking is not just Jesse James thinking he was right with God. Shocking is that many people today are doing the very same thing.
You see, Jesse James believed he was right with God. Expected to go to heaven. Confident. And I wonder if that's you today. Because like Jesse, there are many people in the church that are one way in the church but living opposite outside of it. And what shocks me and what scares me as a pastor is how many of you really believe you're okay with God? How many of you really think you're good? It's like a light switch. As I'm painting Callie's room yesterday, and I went to turn on the light and turn off the light, I realized, what a switch. See, there are two types of switches in my house. There's the light switch that I can turn on and off real easy. And then outside my house, there is a switch that's set on the timer that I don't even have to think about. It just happens. And some of you have that switch in your life. You're one way in church. The switch is on. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to smile. We're not going to fight. We're going to leave this aside. I'm going to sing songs. I might even serve in the ministry. I'm going to give some money. I'm going to be a good Christian. And then after church is over, this switch goes off and you become a completely different person. And you're so used to living this way that your switch has become a timer. It just happens naturally. And while you're not maybe robbing banks that I know of, if you are, make sure you tithe. No, I'm just kidding. That's a bad joke. <laughs> don't go, oh, my pastor tells us to steal. No, don't. Pray about it. But while you're not robbing banks, maybe you're not murdering. Maybe you want to. Maybe you're not even wanted. Criminal. But maybe outside of church. Like Jesse, you're a completely different person. Outside of church, you're gossiping. Slandering people. Outside of church, you're watching and going to websites that you know are not right. You're indulging in sexual immorality and pornography. Lust. Outside of church, you're dealing with rage. Not just anger. We all get angry. I'm talking about rage. You can't control it. And you get mad at everyone and you're breaking things and slamming doors and have the long face all week long and you're just an angry person. That's rage. Outside of church, you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You're watching what you're not supposed to be watching. You're saying what you know you're not, you shouldn't be saying. You're listening to things you know you shouldn't be listening to. You're with people you know are wrong and you shouldn't even be around. But pastor, the switch is off, so I just, I shut it off on Sundays after church. It's off, and I go do my things in the world. And see, this is the shocking truth about you and everyone else and Jesse James. God doesn't accept this. And let me show you that this is, this is not just a problem in the 1800s with Jesse James. This is not just a problem in our current time. This was a problem even in the book of James. Look at James 3, 9, and 10. This might sound like some of you here. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Great sermon. Pastor, I love church. Yes, preach it, brother. We praise the Lord. 
our Father. And with it, we curse men. That's just, I'm going to read this verse slowly. That mouth of yours that just sang songs, saying, Hallelujah. Switches off, Monday's on. What comes out of your mouth? Insults? Words of hatred? Profanity? Dirty jokes? Gossip? Slander? That's what comes out of your mouth. I don't even want to preach about what goes into your mouth. I will. Alcohol? Smoke? Things you know that are not going to give you the right image of God? That mouth of yours praises God on Sunday, God says, but it switches off, and with it you praise your Father and curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. We are to demonstrate the likeness of God. Look at verse 10. It's so clear. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, my Christians, this should not be. It should not be this way. To be one way in church, one way with your mouth and God, and a whole other one after it's over. Why does this happen, Pastor? Why does this continue to go on? Why do we have a switch? Well, Jesus explains it in Matthew 15, 8. These people, they honor me with what? Their lips. Now, the word lips there is not just your physical lips. It's talking about the outside. These people are only concerned with looking right. They honor me with their lips. But Jesus clarified it clearly. He says, but their hearts are far from me. See, Jesus nailed it right there. If you're this type of Christian, because James was talking to Christians, he wasn't talking to pagan, ungodly, non-believers. He was talking to Christians that have been made right with God in salvation, but they're living wrong. It's like me and Jericho. We're married. I'm her husband. But sometimes I'm not right with her. I'm in the doghouse. I mean, in the doghouse. Where my doghouse, man? Come on. All right. You're still married. Nothing that, that hasn't changed. But I got to make things right to get back on the bed. To get back. See, the same things with God. He says, you're saved. Oh, yeah, you're, I believe you've been made right with Jesus. But you're not right with me right now. And God cannot bless a believer who has a switch. What's the problem? Jesus said it clear. Your heart is far from me. Church, can, I, can we get real, real, real raw and honest here? You and I both know we go to a great Bible-believing, preaching church. Amen? 
Let me tell you something. You know, when you're far from God, you don't be acting right. You just don't act right. You know when you miss church and you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, spending time with Him really close. You know the switch gets left off a little longer. Can I get a witness today? You know it. Jesus says, the reason you honor me on the outside, but on the inside you don't, because your heart is far from me. In fact, Jesus says it's a heart issue. It's not people. Let me make it clear. It's not people. It's not life. It's not the church. It's you. It's your heart. Some people say, well, I know I shouldn't act this way. I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have done that, Pastor. But you don't know who I'm living with. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know these kids I'm trying to raise. You don't know the stress I'm under at work. You don't know and you blame life and you blame God and you blame family and you blame stress and you blame everything else except the fact that the way The reason you are the way you are is because of your heart. Your heart's not right. In fact, when David, a man after God's own heart, a man that loved the Lord, messed up and fell into sin and committed adultery and murder and lied, and everyone thought he was a great godly king on the outside because he would give, the Bible says, he would go and give sacrifices and worship on the outside. And everyone would look at David and say, wow, what a great godly man. Look at what a man of God. It's so great to have a king and a leader that loves the Lord. Isn't it true, guys? But no one realized that David had hidden sin in his life. That he was wrong before God and committed murder and adultery. But when David fell in repentance, when he felt the judgment of his sin, and he said, Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I want to change. Notice in Psalm 51, 10, the prayer he prayed. He said to God, created me what? A clean heart. Oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. The word loyal spirit in some other translation is steadfast spirit. It just means to stay firm in the ways of God. You know what David said? Lord, the first thing I want you to do, Father, as I repent, is I want you to create in me a new heart. A clean heart. Deal with my heart. Why? Because the sin you're doing in your life right now, whatever it is, you are doing it because your heart is not right with God. And David didn't say, God, I I did what I did because, you know, it was her. He didn't say, Lord, would you create a new job for me? Because maybe if I wasn't king and I wasn't in the palace, I would not have been on the palace rooftop looking down at this window, looking at Bathsheba, killing her husband. So I think the problem, Lord, is I did what I did because of my job. I need a new job and I'll be better. Lord, would you create in me a new wife? David, according to the Bible, this is a whole other sermon, had over eight wives. 
And he didn't say, God, I, I guess I need a new wife because if I was happy with my other marriage, I would not have run to Bathsheba, right, God? He didn't blame his wife. He didn't blame his job. He didn't blame his location. Well, God, you put the palace here. What are the odds that you put the palace right next to this woman's house? Who does that, God? Maybe I need a new house. A new house is going to change my life. A new job is going to change my life. A new marriage is going to change my life. But the only thing that's going to change your life is God and you surrendering your heart in repentance. That's it. 2024, no more games with God. It's my heart, Lord, he said, creating me a new heart so that I can stay firm. Firm. You know what David said? Lord, I don't want this switch in my life anymore. Creating me a new heart that allows me to stay firm in your ways. That's why I want to talk about Cain. Cain and Abel. They both brought offerings to the Lord. They both worshipped God. But God accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not accept Cain. And God was clear, there are two types of people approaching me right now in the church. And there are those that are doing the very same thing. They're worshiping, they're singing, they're going to church, they're doing everything. But there's one person I look at with favor and I accept. And there's another person doing the very same thing that I cannot accept what they're doing. And he rejected Cain's offering. Why? This big debate about this, and pastors argue, we argue, oh, what's the, why didn't, why wasn't he right? Listen. Verse 7 tells us what it was. Because everyone says, well, it's because he didn't bring an animal sacrifice, and it's none of that. You guys want to learn today? Verse 7, God made it so clear because God speaks to us in a clear way. You will be accepted. That word accepted literally means to have God's favor. You want God's favor in your life. Because you can be a Christian without the favor of God. You will be accepted if you do what's right. Church, did you hear that? Because the Bible in the context is telling us that while Cain was bringing offering, here you go, Lord. God bless you. And I imagine the people looking at Cain, wow, what a great godly man. Look at him bringing his offering to the Lord. And God looks at him and says, what's this? It's my offering, Lord. It's Sunday. And God said, I don't want that. Why not? Because you're not right. See, God didn't have a problem with Cain's offering. He had a problem with Cain's heart. And we don't know what it was or what sin it was. The Bible doesn't say, but we know that something in Cain's life was so clear that God told him, 
He didn't say, if you bring me what's right. You guys caught that? He said, if you do what's right. There was something about Cain. Cain was not living right. He was in sin. And yet still wanted to bring offerings to the Lord. Did not repent. Did not get his heart right with God. But just brought offerings. Listen, church, in, in Cain's mindset, he said, you know what, I, I know I'm not living right, I know I'm in sin, I know God's not pleased with me, but I think that if I give him this offering, it's like saying, I think if I go to church, and I sing a few songs, and I listen to a sermon, and I might give a little money, maybe if I check that off my box, and God and me are going to be okay. And that's Cain's attitude. I'm not going to change my heart but I'm just going to keep going to church. I'm not going to change my life and I'm not going to repent, but Lord, you better accept the way I'm living. And God said no. David understood this in Psalm 51 with his prayer. Not only did he pray, create in me a clean heart, but in Psalm 51, 16 through 17. David realized, because he was guilty of having the switch, and David learned and says, you do not desire what? You don't desire sacrifice, or I would have what? Offered one. What's Cain doing? Cain is bringing a sacrifice and an offering. And what did God say here? I don't want it. You don't want a burnt offering. It's like David writing the Psalms today. He would say, Lord, you, it's, you don't just want me to go to church. You don't just want me to read a Bible. You don't just want me to pray on Sunday. Lord, notice what David said. The sacrifice you desire, what God desires, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repented what? What? Heart. God wants your heart, not your offering. Your church attendance, your service in the ministry, your Bible reading. You can do all of those things and not have your heart right with God. That was Cain's problem. He gave the offerings to God, but in it, his heart wasn't right. I have an opinion about what his sin was. It's just an opinion. But it's my opinion. Can I show you? I believe Cain's sin was bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. And the only reason I believe this is because Jesus said in the Gospels, if you go to bring offerings, but then remember that you have something against your brother. And there's conflict. Before you bring me that offering, go and reconcile yourself. Go and make it right with him before you come and make it right with me. And I believe that maybe, just maybe, one of the sins that Cain was involved in was bitterness towards his brother. 
And that only reason I really believe this is because right after he murdered his own brother, that murder and that anger and that rage didn't just happen overnight. It was something that was building up. And I believe that we don't know why or what it was, but he had such resentment and anger and unforgiveness in his heart, but he still wanted to bring offerings and be good with God. And God said, that's not going to work. And he went to Cain. Cain went to God and said, Lord, just accept this and let's move on. But his heart wasn't right. And I wonder, as I read this this year, to how many people at Forward or online listening right now are doing the same thing with God. You know your heart is not right. There's sin in your life. But rather than repent, And ask God to change your heart. You resolve to just doing the external things of God to make to feel better and maybe convince yourself that you're okay with God. One of the biggest problems in our church is that many of you think you're good with God. But you're not. I want to help you because I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is it that so many people think that they're right with you and they go to church and they're not living right, they're not right with you, but they're fine. They feel like Cain somehow going to church and singing and checking it off on a Sunday morning. If you can go to church on a Sunday morning, it, it kind of cancels out everything else, all the garbage in your life. Why do so many of us think we get away with it? It's because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. And the reason that so many people continue to have the wrong heart towards God, but still want to do the right things for God, is because our hearts are lying to us, and they're convincing you that you're okay with God. And that's why the Bible in the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart above all things, like a wellspring of your life. Why did the Bible say that? Is because in that time, there were wellsprings. A wellspring is what it says. It's a, a well that the water source was a spring. You didn't have to pour it into or rely on rain. The water came from a spring. And before an enemy would attack a city or a village, they would make sure to sneak around at night and they would clog the spring and fill it with contamination and do whatever they could to block the water flow from going into that well and into that city so that the people would get thirsty, tired, and dehydrated. And when they were their weakest, the enemy would attack. And Solomon in Proverbs says, guard your heart above all things because we have the devil, an enemy, that's trying to get to your heart and convince you that you're okay with God. So church, Cain had the wrong heart while he was off. Maybe you're in church this morning. And I appreciate it, I really do. And you sang and you said hi to people and you hugged and you you held your Bible. You did all of that. But take a real good examination because the Bible says examine yourself. And see if your heart is right towards God. Because my New Year's resolution for our church is that we we stop playing this switch with God that we have a steadfast spirit this year. That your New Year's resolution is to say, Lord, this year I want to be steadfast. 
Well, church, I want to help you as your pastor. To give you three visible signs through Cain that's going to tell you if your heart is right towards God or not. You ready to take this test? Number one, some versus best. Verse seven, the Bible says that Cain brought some of his offering. And Abel brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs. Did you notice lambs was plural, by the way? I'll explain that later. The Lord accepted Abel's as a gift. Look at verse 5. But he did not accept Cain as a gift. And this made Cain angry. Some versus best. Say that with me. Some versus best. You see, Cain was not living right. Cain did not repent. Cain is living in sin. But he has convinced himself that, that if I just give God some of my fruit, that me and him will be okay. I don't have to repent. I don't have to deal with my heart. I don't have to change as a person. I'm just going to bring you some. And Cain's attitude towards this act of sacrificial worship and giving was that of mundane. He didn't honor it. The first thing I want to tell you is you know you're not, your heart is not right with God. If worship is mundane. Going to church is just mundane. Praying, just mundane. I'm just going to do it and gone. That's it. Some of you have the dolphins on your head right now. You have lunch on your mind, work for tomorrow on your mind, things you got to do. Don't tell me your heart is right with God when you're treating this today like a mundane day. It's just, it's just church. It's just a mundane task. And he's not right with God. But Cain's mindset is that of a person that has the wrong heart. In his mindset, he said, Lord, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to repent. I'm going to live in my sin. But I'm going to give you some. And I hope that my sum is enough to cover us. And some of us, we say this, Lord, I'm just going to give you some of my time. I'll go to church sometimes. If I can. If I'm not busy. If I'm not tired. If I'm not stressed. If things aren't complicated. I'll go to church. Sometimes. Some Sundays. I'll give you some of my time. I'll give you some money, Lord. Some. I'll pray sometimes. I'll pray at dinner. I'll pray sometimes when I'm in trouble. And some of you, you're giving God just a sum of your life. Look at Abel. Hebrews 11.4, New Testament, talks about it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more what? Excellent sacrifice than Cain. 
Abel gave to God. Now listen. He gave to God just like Cain gave to God, but their level of giving was not the same. Abel gave out of faith. It took faith to give God the first lamb. Why do I say this? Because Abel was honest. He said, it's not easy. But in faith, I'm going to give you my first, Lord. And he did not just give him the first of his lamb. He gave him the first of the lambs. He offered even more. So Cain's attitude is different than Abel because Abel says, I'm not just going to do the bare minimum and the requirement, God. I'm going to, in faith, go above what's required of me because I want to please you. And it took faith because it takes faith to live right with God. It takes faith to do what's right when it feels wrong. It takes faith to serve God. It takes faith. Like it took faith for us to plant this church. And it takes faith for me to preach here and preach to you the truth. It takes faith. It's not easy. And when Abel gave his offering to God, not only was it first, not only was it the best, the Bible says it was excellent. And you don't give your excellence to God. Just some. But Lord, I still want you to bless me. Lord, I still want your favor. But I don't want to live my life with excellence. When you serve God Almighty, you have a desire to do things with excellence. And you give God your best. And you're first. Because He is first. He is the best. And we serve an excellent God. We serve an excellent God that when it came time for God to step up and love us and give to us, He gave us His first, His only, His best. His name was Jesus. It was a sacrifice that was not easy. But God loved you so much. Don't say you love God. Oh, I love the Lord. But I'm going to give you some. Some. If it's not God getting the best out of you, you're giving your best to something else. Some of you give your best to work. Tomorrow, oh, you'll be up early. You're going to show up on time. You're going to make sure you do everything right because you know there's a paycheck tied to it. When it comes to church, eh, I'll get it after the songs are over. I'll take my time. I'm impressed. Some of you came early today, New Year. I'm watching. God bless you, Darius. God bless you, Nancy. You guys made it on time. I'm like, yeah! Come on, give them a round of applause. They're doing it! That's excellence! You do everything in life with excellence. When you serve God, you have an excellent. Now, it's not that marriage is perfect and marriage is easy, but you have a desire to do what is excellent because you serve an excellent God. So you don't live a life of immorality. You don't live a life with a lack of integrity. You give your life and this world excellent. But some of us give our best to everything else but God. 
God has, the world has the best of your time. You can binge watch shows for hours and read one scripture and be done. That's it, I can't do it. Okay, I read some of the Bible. Some of you, you give your best to Amazon. I give my best to Bass Pro. When it comes time to give to the Lord, and I know you'll get offended, but you know why you'll be offended by this? Because your heart's not right. And when it comes time to give financially to the Lord, ah, I'll give Him some. But you can cough out so much money for everything else that's garbage. You give God your first and your best. You treat others with excellence because you serve an excellent God. You live with forgiveness. You live with love and sacrifice and giving because you, the Bible says whatever you do unto others, you're doing it unto God. Do you guys get this this morning? Abel's attitude was it's going to take faith. It's not easy. But Lord, I don't want to treat you as a mundane thing I do. I want to give you my first, my everything, my best, even if it's a sacrifice and it costs me. Second, you give God some or you give God your best. Second, how do you know your heart's not right with God? Cain shows us. The Bible says in verse 5 that God did not accept his offering. He did not accept Cain, his offering. He did not accept he did not accept. Let me say it one more time. He did not accept. You know what Cain was trying to do? What a person that has the wrong heart does to God. Cain was unwilling to meet God at his standard of giving and worship. But he tried to get God to lower his standards to his. In other words, Cain said, I know what I should do. I know how I should give. I know how I should worship you, Lord. But I'm not willing in faith to do that. I'm not going to sacrifice. I don't want to change. So, Lord, I'm going to bring you down to my level. And I want you to accept how I live. I want you to accept how I do things. And I want your favor and your blessing. Do we got to do or not? And when I read that, I said, this boy's crazy. Some of us are that crazy. The church has gotten that wild now. Where we have taken the standards of God, the Ten Commandments, and we have lowered them to meet our needs. Because it, it's too much of a sacrifice to live for God. It's too much of a sacrifice to please Him. So let's just lower the bar so that we can feel good about it feel like we're good with God, and God's going to bless us. That's why the modern American church is garbage today, because we have too many weak pastors that don't preach the word of God and don't tell them that you do not lower the standards of God. We raise our standards to God. And that's why we have cute little things saved in church. Come as you are. Lower the bar. Come. Don't change. Be who you are. Feel what you want to feel. Do what you want to do. But see, my Bible says... That God doesn't change. Malachi 3.6. Where does it say that, Pastor? Well, I'm the Lord. I don't change. 
<laughs> I'm the Lord. Well, that's not fair. Well, what does he get? Because I'm the Lord. I don't change. God said in Hebrews 13.8, He said this, Jesus Christ, just throw Him in here too, is the same when? Yesterday, today, forever. I'm going to use this with Callie when she grows up. Because listen, I say, girl, if it was a sin yesterday to God, it's a sin today. And it's going to be a sin forever. So girl, the answer is no. God doesn't change. But what are we doing to God now? Oh, times are different. Culture's changing. Culture changes. God doesn't. Stop trying to lower God's standards to yours. It's not going to work, and it's not going to go well for you. You see, this is how, how crazy we've gotten. Happy New Year, everyone. Listen. God. I like it because the box says large and grande. Love it. We serve a grande God. Large. This is you. We want God to bless us, but you know what we do? How crazy would it be if you tell me, Pastor, would you stack these boxes together? And I say, I got it. How crazy do I look right now? How, how dumb do I look? Silly? Say amen. You are just as dumb and silly and crazy as, my, as me, your pastor. If you think for a minute that you're going to get all big, grande, glorious God to fit to your standards. Lord, I know it's a sin, but you're a God of grace and mercy. You'll forgive me, so let me do it. Lord, I know it's not right. I know it's wrong. But I want, I want it. And I want it now. Lord, bless my life. Bless my dreams. Bless my desires. Give me what I want. And Lord, you better bless my plans and bless whatever I decide to do. And you're trying to fit God in a box. It doesn't work, church. God says, If you want blessing, you want favor, peace. Fit. We were designed by God to fit Him. Not God fitting us. And in this box, you might see measurement. A standard of measurement. This does not change. God does not change. So if God is not going to change, then the one that needs to change is you. Come on, am I preaching good this morning? Fit. That's what Cain wants with God. Lord, accept my sin. Accept my offering and bless me. I know it's wrong, but I want you to bless it anyway. 
And God said, I'm not accepting this. He lowered the standards of God. And he rejected his offering. But let me be clear with you. He did not reject Cain at this moment. And if you're living this way right now, the Lord's giving you a chance because you don't understand God's mercy here. God showed up to Cain and said, Cain, if you do what's right, I'll accept it. And you don't realize that God said, Cain, your heart's not right. And you're coming to me with all this external offering. But God warned him and said, sin is at your door and desires to have you, but you can master it. You know the grace that you see here? God shows up and says to Cain, Cain, I'm giving you a chance. I'm warning you, sin is at your door. It's going to destroy you. But I'm telling you right now, get your heart right with me. And I'm giving you a chance, and I will accept you. And I think God deserves a high praise right now because He looks at you in our bad hearts, in our condition, and says, I'm giving you a chance. Come on. And God, and God is giving you a chance this 2024 year. Because maybe 23 was a year of switch. But God says, this is the year that I'm giving you a chance to get your heart right with me. Cain's heart was wrong because simply he did not give God the first or the best, but just some. And worship was mediocre to something he did. Cain's heart was wrong because he tried to lower the standards of God to his standards and wanted God to accept his lifestyle. And God says, I'm not going to change. And God did something so amazing. He shows us another sign that Cain's heart was wrong. Verse 8 through 10. You guys okay? We're good? Verse 8 through 10. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Notice what Cain's attitude was. I don't know. Church, did Cain know where his brother was? So what's that called? A lie. He responded, I don't know. And then he responds yet again with pride and arrogance, sarcasm. Am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? He's talking that way to God. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. You know that God in His grace not only warned him and said, sin is at your door, but I'm giving you a chance to get right. But in this moment, even though he killed his brother, and buried the body like a mobster. He just buried the body. God still gave him a chance to repent. 
See, because I believe with all my heart, like his father Adam, when God says, Adam, where are you? If Adam would have come out and said, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I sinned and didn't blame his wife and the wife didn't blame the devil and excuse it. I believe God would have forgiven Adam and allowed him in the garden to remain. But see, I, I believe also, like his father, God is telling Cain, where's your brother? Church, let's think, put our thinking caps on. Did God know where his brother was? He, he said it. So why would God ask a question like this if he knew the answer? Because he was waiting for Cain to confess. Confess simply means you agree with God and what He says about you. And some of you don't realize you're wasting your chances that God's giving you a change. And you don't realize that if you would just come before the Lord and confess and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. The Bible says when you confess, when you confess your sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive. What if God's given you that chance right now? He said, Lord, I'm going to confess to you, Lord, I, I'm in sin. God will not reject you. But one of the signs, the last signs, and we'll close with this, that shows us that Cain's heart was wrong, was he had no fear of God. No fear of God. The fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God, when you read about the fear of God in the Bible, it simply means to have reverence towards God, a respect, a level of respect where you live right because you know who God is. You see, I, I love my parents and I fear them at the same time. Why? As a child, I loved my mom, but I feared her because I knew what she was capable of. I knew that I had to respect my parents, love my parents, do right by my parents. Why? Because I loved them and I feared them. And my mom would remind them, I gave you life, I will take it from you, boy. I knew what my parents were capable of. I had a reverence and a fear that allowed me in love to obey my parents. That's why we have half the kids now going crazy today because they have no fear of authority. Cain had no fear of God. I'm gonna, God's going to talk to me right now and ask me, where is he? And I'm going to lie to him. You know you have no fear of God when you're lying. But what if it's a white lie? A little lie? You have no fear of God. You don't repent. You don't confess it. But like Cain, you just hide it and bury it. And some of you, you're treating your sin like that now. I'm not going to change my heart. I'm not going to change my ways. I'm just going to hide the sin in my life. I'm going to live a lie. I'm going to deceive because look at everything that spiraled out of control. He's lying to God. He's deceiving his brother. Hey, let's go out. He's murdering now. Cain never thought he would spiral this out of control. But when you live a life of sin with no fear of God, God warned them, it's at your door. It's going to master you and destroy you. When you have no fear of God and habitual sin in your life that you cover, it's only a matter of time that God says, I have given you enough chances and now the sin will master you.
He had no fear of God. After he gave his offering and worship and said, here you go, Lord. And even while he was giving his offering, isn't it amazing that out of God's grace, a third time God showed him his grace, that while he's offering, the Lord spoke to him. He said, Cain, if you do what's right. See, Cain's heart was wrong before God, but God still spoke to him because he wanted to change him. Some of you are in church right now like Cain. And you're worshiping. And you're singing songs. And you're holding your Bible. And you know you don't deserve it because you know you're not living right. But right now, maybe God is speaking to you. And he's saying, get right with me. But Cain, right after that worship service he had, right after that time of giving, even after God spoke to him, after it was all said and done, the switch went off, and he went on and murdered his brother. And that's how some of you look like. When church is over, be over in three minutes, and we stop the singing, and we close the sermon, and I say my goodbyes to my church brothers and sisters, and everything's shut down for the Sunday, and Monday's approaching, I'm going to turn the switch off, and I'm going to go and murder I'm going to go and sin. I'm going to go and be selfish. I'm going to go and do what's wrong. I'm going to go and look at porn. I'm going to go and tell lies. I'm going to go and fornicate. I'm going to go and hang out with the wrong people. I'm going to go out there after this is said and done, God. And you can't tell me to change. And he got angry with God. And you know you're wrong with God when you're angry with God because he won't accept your sin. God gave him a chance. But it was too late. And Cain received the curse. The curse that God said, whatever you do, it's never going to work out. You're going to work till your sweat is on the ground and you will not produce a harvest. And it's interesting because Cain was bringing his offering during the time of harvest But as a punishment, God says you'll never receive a harvest. And in Scripture, a harvest was always symbolic to a blessing. So God literally cursed him and said, you'll never be blessed. And God tells us, I give you today a choice, a blessing and a curse. Choose today. Choose. If you want God to bless your life, you want God's favor upon your life, you better first and foremost get right with God. And once you get right with God, you begin to do right for God. And he would say, now I can accept you. But it's time to stop this back and forth. And even after Cain received his curse, God was merciful. He said, well, pastor, how is he merciful after he cursed Because God said, I'm going to put a mark on you so that no one would touch you. No one would kill you. Because even when God cursed him, Cain did not change. He did not repent. 
He said, Lord, this punishment is too much for me to bear. He did not have a changed heart because all he was worried about was the consequences. You know your heart hasn't changed about your sin when all you worried about is your consequences. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my reputation. That is what the Bible calls worldly sorrow. But even then, God put a mark on him to spare his life. Why did God do this? Because he's showing you today, church, what did Cain deserve? What did he deserve? Death. Eye for an eye, Old Testament. Tooth for a tooth, Old Testament. He who sheds blood, his blood will be shed, Old Testament. But God spared him and gave him life. Why? Because God is letting you know what grace is. Grace is love you don't deserve. Come on, praise God for this right now. Because God is saying, even though, even though you're my child, and even though you're gonna, you have life, you're going to heaven, you're saved, I cannot bless you. Let's all stand to our feet today. And if you're here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning. Show me your hands right now. Like Cain, if you feel that God was speaking to you. Show me your hands. What is God saying to you right now? It's time. 2024 to be steadfast in your spirit to be firm and loyal to the ways of God and stop the switch that you have it's time for you to say Lord I'm going up to your standards with every head bowed every eye closed this is the way you get right with God you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior the Bible says when you confess that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose, you will be saved. The only way you're made right with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now to get right with God through Jesus. No other way. That's you today. You put that hand up and I will gladly help you in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand there. God bless you. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm right with God, spiritually speaking. But right now, I'm in the doghouse. I'm not living right. It's an act of confession. God pouring it out to you right now, sin in your life that you're hiding, that you've buried. Would you put that hand up today? God bless you all around the room. Come on, love your honesty. Come on, let's be honest. It's time to say, Lord, give me a heart of Abel. Put you first and give you my best this year. It will be hard, Lord. It's going to be a sacrifice. One of the things, when as I read this, I said, Lord, Cain gave you his best, gave you his first. And you still allowed him to get murdered and die. That's not fair. But see, Cain didn't realize that Abel did something that every Christian should aim for. Abel died. Yes, he died. But he died giving God his best. And I wonder when it comes time for you and I to die, if you're going to look back at your life and realize 
I gave God my best. Or will you be like Cain? I gave God some. Let me pray for you. If you're here today and you want to get right with God through Jesus, you hold that hand up high. Let me pray for you. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. Jesus, you are the only way to the Father. You are the only way my life and my heart can change. And I surrender to you, asking you to forgive me of my sins. Save me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, as I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm born again, but I'm not right with God. Let me pray for you now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone here whose heart's not right. Coming to church every Sunday, thinking they're good with you. Forgive us for lowering your standards to meet our sin. And help us, Lord. Forgive us for treating you with mundane, thinking it's just, I'm just going to give you some, and you better accept it. Forgive us, Lord, for not giving you our best, for lowering our standard and having no fear of you. And as we leave church this morning, I pray, Father, you give us a steadfast spirit, a life that fears you. And Father, help us to turn this switch off once and for all and give us a steadfast Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And God's church said, Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Amen.